0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians Daily. My name is Chris Spangle. Now, if you're new to this, if you're not sure what the heck is going on here, we have started doing uh, something daily in the feed. You're either going to get two full-length episodes of We Are Libertarians or you're going to get a short segment every single day. And, uh, if you like that, then please support us on Patreon, support us on, uh, by sharing the episodes on, on the social media, the social media, I sound like such a boomer. My cat is, it, it, there's no video on these, uh, thank goodness, uh, but I, uh, have a cat distracting me. She usually's put up during the regular show. So, anyways... I am joined today by Lucy Brenton. She is running for United States Senate in Indiana. Now, here's the thing. I don't normally do candidate interviews. Uh, I I just don't think that it's... I do a broad show, a (coughs) national show, so I don't talk to candidates a lot of times. But when I do have candidates on, I like to talk to people when I have something that I think is relevant to everybody. And I think there's an interesting situation that I mentioned on the show a couple times, Happening in Indiana. And there is a senator named Joe Donnelly who was elected in 2012. And he, uh, so Richard Luger was the senator. He lost the primary to a Tea Party candidate named Richard Mordock. Uh, Joe Donnelly was a congressman from northern Indiana, very moderate person, moderate Democrat, because that's the only kind we have here in Indiana. And uh, I mean, heck, the gu- gubernatorial candidate in 2016 was pro life, <laughs> if that tells you anything. <laughs> And so, Donnelly ended up winning the seat because Richard Mordock said something about rape and abortion in the debate, and it basically just destroyed his campaign. And uh, by my count, there's about four Senate seats that the Republicans have lost, thanks to running social conservative candidates like Todd Akin, Richard Mordock, Christine O'Donnell, uh, and I forget what the other one is. Um, but there, there would have been four extra votes for Kavanaugh yesterday had they not run people who are socially conservative uh, in their politics. Uh, I'm socially conservative in my private life, but I don't want to force other people to live the way that I live at the at the barrel of a gun. So, so Donnelly, that's the history of Joe Donnelly. Now he's up for re-election, and uh, and I'm going to say some things in front of our libertarian candidate, Lucy. How are you doing today?
1: <laughs> I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Chris.
0: Now, Lucy is fantastic. You ran again. You ran two years ago, and you just slaughtered Todd Young and Evan By in the debates. You did such a fantastic job. And what what kind of numbers did you get in that race?
1: Thanks for asking. Um, I got over 149,000 votes from Hoosiers who really wanted liberty instead of the status quo. And that turned into, some people said five and a half percent, some people said 5.9. It's clear that it was between five and a half and not breaking six. So uh, I've got a little bit bigger job ahead of me this time. Now, the
0: baseline here in Indiana is usually around a 100, 110,000. So you exceeded that. And I think you beat I think the previous record had been Rupert for governor, Rupert Bonham. Uh, I think you might have beaten his numbers. Are you the top vote-getter in Indiana statewide Libertarian Party history?
1: Um, You know, I've never actually checked. Perhaps I'll Google that while we're talking. I've been told that I am, but I've never independently verified it. That wasn't the most important thing to me. The most important thing was that there be a voice for liberty out there to counteract the outright communism that our country is headed for.
0: So... Yeah, so she's obviously a very good candidate. I was excited that she was going to run again in this race because it's a toss-up race, and uh, you're you're essentially running between Joe Donnelly, that moderate Democrat, and a guy named Mike Braun. Now, Mike Braun won earlier this year in a primary against two, two Republican House members. Luke Messer, who is a longtime member of the Indiana Swamp, Former, yeah, former executive director of the state party, former state house rep, elected to Congress, somebody very connected, and then Todd Rakita, former secretary of state, someone that I personally know and like, uh, but he had some missteps through the campaign that that hurt him. But basically, what happened is each Luke and Luke Messer and Todd Rakita spent two million dollars, two and a half million dollars in TV ads, and Mike Braun spent six because he's independently wealthy. And so yes. he bought himself a win. And Mike Braun, I think, is an empty suit. He's a moron. He's somebody who just repeats the same thing. He he has sketched out a character of what he thinks Hoosiers want. Uh, I don't think he's an intelligent man. You don't have to say a word, Lucy. Uh, <laughs> okay. But these are these are my opinions and not Lucy's. Um, I think he would be just a rubber stamp for whatever the the conservative mindset might be. I don't think he's. Um, Someone that I would want representing me. I think he's everything that I dislike about Republicans, um, and not to mention that he's a he's effectively a registered Democrat because he <laughs> voted in in Indiana. We don't have registration. We have uh, you go in and you vote in the primary. You can vote R D or independent. So you vote basically pull the school you know school board ballot. Uh, because we have closed primaries, and uh, he's voted in every Democratic primary for thirty years, um, <laughs> so I just don't trust this guy. I don't like him, and uh, I would not vote for him for Senate. Um, but I am a bit conflicted now. Uh, this is where this is why I wanted to have Lucy on because, um, you know, I voted for you two years ago. I think you're. Thank you. I think you're a great Libertarian candidate. I think there are. Uh, I think you. In terms of running your campaign, you do a really good job. We agree on a lot of things, most things. Uh, there are just a couple issues where you and I may may differ. Um, so philosophically, you certainly have my vote. But the way that I vote is first based on my values. And so you and I share values. So mm-hmm. that's that's the first box. The second is I vote strategically either to help one side or to cause trouble, usually. <laughs> like, <laughs> 90% of the time, since I became a libertarian, I've voted for all three parties in every election I've been in, because if there is, you know, when I lived in a Republican county, I go in and I vote for the Democrats just to be an a-hole. Uh, <laughs> um, That's a good strategy. Yeah. I know that neither of these people share my values, so I'll just vote for the people that will punish the the sitting power. But um, I would have said... That uh, you know, you you had amazing vote totals, but we all, you know, I let me say again, not the opinion of Lucy, that the the reality of Libertarian Party candidates is that it's very difficult for statewide candidates to get to thirty three percent, especially in a straight ticket race, uh, and, and that's why nearly six percent was uh, uh, amazing. And when you look at this race, it's really going to come down to Braun and uh, the the likelihood is Braun or Donnelly will win. And Donnelly, I would have told you, would be six to ten points, uh, the victor in this race. But now I'm going, this is a toss-up and it's probably leaning Braun. And there is a part of me, Lucy, that wants to vote for Mike Braun because I don't want these lunatics that are in the Senate. To, to be elected, and I know that there are a tremendous amount of uh, people that I've spoken to here in Indiana that feel the exact same way. Which is why I wanted to have you on and have you answer that question, because I think it's a it's a you know, in 2016 it was kind of like, well, it's a toss up race, but any of these two, they're, they're sort of the same people. I'm going to vote my values. I'm going to vote Lucy. But this, there seems to be a different tone to the race. And so when, you, when you're when you talking to somebody who says, man, I agree with you a lot, Lucy, but I just can't let Cory Booker be in charge. I can't let Kamala Harris be in charge. How do you answer that?
1: Well, I think the most important function that I serve as a libertarian candidate, and indeed independents do as well, is the fact that it finally gives – uh, the voter a chance to vote for something rather than against something, or for the lesser of two evils, settling for what they really don't want. So the liberty n- needle moves closer to liberty when you have a candidate like myself in the race that is unabashedly pro Second Amendment, pro Constitution, pro life, um, you know, conservative values, but you know, very socially accepting. I don't care what you're doing in your bedroom; it's not my business. So don't hurt me, don't take my stuff, and I'll make sure that the government leaves us all alone. But that's not the way that my two opponents believe. My two opponents both believe that each of them has the right to tell you how to live your life. And what's more, that they're going to take your money to pay for the enforcement of them telling you how to live your life. So by having someone like myself in the race, it is a barometer for the other two parties to see, you know, the second loser is going to lose because they weren't libertarian enough, because they wouldn't accept that people want liberty. And that's where the needle continually moves and why libertarian candidates are continually winning in races across this country. And while I'll likely have more votes this time than I did last time.
0: But at the end of the day, aren't you playing spoiler, aren't you? And we're getting now we're now getting the wasted vote argument from Democrats. I got that mm-hmm. on Twitter the other night in Georgia. This kid in Georgia was a Democrat and like, you're spoiling the election. You're just what, <laughs> you're, what, you're wasting the time and the Republicans going to win. And the Republican for governor there is insane. Um, yes. But so what do you say to people who say, I, I like you, but I'm not going to waste my vote. It doesn't make sense to vote for somebody that can't win.
1: Well, that's a really interesting thing. So if you have two slave masters and one says, I'll take, you know, less of your money and the other says, you know, I'll give you more personal freedom, both of them are still trying to control your life. So the only real thing that you can do to escape is to get out from underneath the rule of both of them. So that's one thing. Of course, I'm called a spoiler. But when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, Mike Braun could steal votes away from me. Joe Donnelly could steal my votes. But in order to do that, they would have to agree that you and the average voter deserve to be free, that when you go to work, you deserve to keep the fruits of your labor. I don't hear that coming out of their mouths. So the only sane choice for people who want to choose to be free and to make their voice heard is to vote for the only candidate in the race who wants that freedom for myself, for my family, and for my country.
0: I'd also say that it's the wasted vote argument is an un-American argument because you are robbing people of their First Amendment rights to gather together and then speak out politically. And that's exactly what a political party does. I mean, there are people who are libertarian that deserve a chance to vote for a libertarian voice. And secondly, I think when people make the wasted vote argument, you have to ask back, what facts are you using? How do you know that these are Republican votes? Because... The kid in Georgia put out a poll with the tabs, and I went to look at the tabs. and Point eight percent of the people who said, "What party do do you identify with?" Point eight were Rep- Republicans, two point nine were Democrats, twenty five percent were independents, and then that left nearly seventy five percent seventy percent had no party at all. And so, when you actually look at like the Cato Institute, Google the the document. Um, You know, the libertarian vote in the age of Obama. When you look at exit polling in the case of Rebecca Sink Burris, who ran for Senate in 2010, when you look at her exit polling, 75% of those people were libertarians or just not going to vote for one of the other two parties. And so people are arguing something that bears no facts. And so ask them for facts. And so I think you've given a a very good answer there. But I just wanted to kind of uh, give a couple more tips. So tell us a little bit about your campaign. What are you What are you running on? What are the main issues that you're out there talking about?
1: The main issues are, you know, at their core libertarian issues, which are personal freedom, fiscal responsibility. What we're trying to do is make sure that when you go to work every day, like everybody else does, that less of your money is stolen from you. Now, on the tax issue coming out of Trump's tariffs debacle, what I advocate for is an absolute corporate tax of zero, nothing, nada. And of course, this shocks people because they're like, well, corporations should have to pay taxes. And I said, well, think about it. When you go buy something, every piece of production, whether that's tax, labor, the healthcare for the workers, everything is included in the price. So you have to understand that tax zero taxation especially if we could just do this for the whole country, it would prevent the argument of, well, we have to take jobs out of America because the the tax is lower and we have to be competitive. Great, make it zero. Have other companies from around the world fighting to bring their jobs to American soil, and then that will further help the, the correlation, the correlating problem, which is companies keep their cash out of the country so that they don't have to pay taxes on it. There's billions of dollars that could be repatriated if the companies weren't afraid that that money would be stolen from them. Think of the economic stimulus if we took the billions of dollars that Apple keeps out of this country and bring it back here.
0: Yeah, you see a lot of something called corporate inversions where people move their headquarters to places like Ireland. So, a a global company like GE doesn't have to have their their, uh, corporate headquarters here. They can have their corporate headquarters in... Hong Kong, or uh, you know, a Southeast Asian company, a country, or Ireland, or anywhere that has a low corporate rate, so then they're not uh, paying as much, and so you saw some repatriation after the corporate tax cuts, and not to mention it's a double taxation on you and I. We're already paying with taxed income to companies, and then they're taxed again on the corporate side. So, what are some other issues that you're leading with?
1: Um, other issues that I'm leading with are. Um, Of course, this is very libertarian, right? But from a fiscally conservative standpoint, I demand that the federal government and Congress finally take its responsibility to coin money and regulate the value thereof. If you look at our economic system since 1913 when the Federal Reserve took over, whether you believe that our our money is now worth 5 percent a 95% reduction of what it was in 1913, or what I personally believe is a, is a 2% value, 98% reduction from what our money was worth in 1913. It's clear that Congress, by shirking its duty to maintain the value of our currency, have put us in a precarious economic position. I believe that we're on the precipice of maybe another Great Depression, certainly something similar to what we saw in 2008, 9, and 10. And it's time that Congress accept its duties that the Constitution requires.
0: All right, let's go to foreign policy. Where do you stand on uh, various foreign policy issues? Like, what are what are some of the main issues that you're talking about there?
1: Well, I'd like to end American colonialism. That would be a great place to start with foreign policy. Um, you know, American companies often enjoy the an influx of natural resources from different countries because our military, which of course is supported by our tax dollars, is used to guard things like opium fields. And in the case of Afghanistan, where the Afghan mountains are just full of lithium, of course, I'm looking at my iPhone and my computer and everything that has lithium in it, along with, you know, the Toyota Prius and and other um, hybrid cars. Here's the thing. As long as American companies need those natural resources, we're going to have our military used as the means of protecting those natural resources and making sure that they flow freely back to american companies i would start with that i would stop i would start by ceasing the theft of natural resources from other countries and using our military and killing our people our soldiers in order to protect that flow
0: okay what are you hearing from hoosier voters a lot of times what are the things that you're you're hearing from actual voters of you as you go out and talk what are their main concerns
1: the main concern of the average voter is jobs. They want to know about jobs. They want to know, you know, can uh, can the economy get any better or is it more likely to get worse? And most people, of course, are looking at their personal economy and how their family is affected. Can they pay their property taxes, which are continually rising? Can they, you know, pay for the burden of an ever-increasing federal government? And so when they look at can they go to the grocery store and buy food, um, it really boils down to are there good enough jobs, and is the government stealing too much when I go to that job?
0: If you were, it, it, How would you uh, craft policy or what legislation would you introduce to help increase the personal wealth of, of your voters?
1: Well, increasing the personal wealth of the voters is going to mean a two-pronged approach. First, making sure that there is unfettered access for the people that want to create their own opportunity. Government regulations on things as silly as braiding hair – must be eliminated. That's just absolutely ridiculous to require somebody to have licensing or education for braiding hair. So the people that are at the lowest end of the economic spectrum who can get the the most benefit from those government regulations, those should absolutely be removed. Um, we need to scale back the federal government, obviously, and make it small only to the constitutional mandates, so that 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 tax burden that's taking at least 15%, that's the, the smallest federal tax rate. So 15% of our income is immediately gone. What if we could get rid of that by two-thirds and people are only supporting 5% for the federal government? That alone would double the take-home pay for most people just to eliminate
0: 10%. When it comes to immigration, where do you stand on those issues?
1: Um, With immigration, I believe that the accident of my birth being inside the political boundaries of the United States of America gave me huge advantages. Um, And I believe that all people should be able to live where they want to live and, and seek the opportunities that they wish to seek. Now, we certainly have the right to guard our borders, just like I have the right to decide who comes in my home and who comes out of my home. But when I look at immigration, I see people that are willing and able to work to bring their talent to America, America would be better off with better immigration policies. We must be absolutely clear. We don't want criminals. We don't want people with communicable diseases. So they shouldn't have unfettered access, but we definitely need something more streamlined so that we can capture all the best talent from around the world and make them Americans.
0: Uh, Final policy question, um, and I know we're moving kind of quick through some of this stuff, but uh, we want to keep these short, and I'm sure you and I could talk all day about all of this (laughs) stuff, but I want to give people a a quick introduction to you. Um, The final question is, how would you have voted on the Kavanaugh issue, and what were your thoughts about it?
1: I would have voted against Kavanaugh. So my conservative haters who've been whipped into a frenzy by the Republican Party because of the partisan nature of the Kavanaugh vote can hate me now. But the fact of the matter is, is... You know, regardless of the whole, you know, Ford thing and is she, is she valid or not, that is absolutely irrelevant to me because looking at the man's voting record and the fact that he helped draft the Patriot Act, I realize that he's not the sort of person who's going to look through the lens of the Constitution and should people be given as much freedom as possible. His entire agenda, in my opinion, will be how can I restrict the people as much as possible and reward the politicos who got me here?
0: Okay, so just a couple questions about your campaign. I, you actually went to Texas and did something exciting. You're getting a lot of recognition. You've been on Lions of Liberty. Uh, what do you think it is about your campaign? A, what What did you do in Texas? And B, why do you think that you're getting uh, extra attention this year?
1: Thanks for asking. Um, I went to Texas, actually, to be part of the Texas Tribune Festival, um, which is a longstanding festival put on um, huge corporate sponsors, even Walmart. It's uh, It's a really big deal down in Austin. And the reason that I went there was to appear on a panel with our Libertarian National Chair, uh, Nick Sarwark, and the gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party in Texas, Mark Tippetts. The topic that we were on the panel for is actually, spoiler alert, you know, our libertarians spoiling the election. And I think all three of us did a great job um, positioning liberty in such a way as if you want liberty, you've got to ask for it, you've got to demand it. And then appearing on things like Lines of Liberty, We Are Libertarians, other just very solid, well-known Um, outlets for First Amendment is, you know, I think my race is really intriguing, especially, you know, this year. Two years ago, it was great. I was against a former governor and and, and a Warhawk Republican. But this time, man, I'm against a moderate Democrat, and I'm against a guy who voted Democrat for 30 years and now claims to be Republican. Mike Braun bought the primary, as you mentioned. He expected the Koch brothers and Americans for Prosperity, people like that, to jump in and save him and buy the rest of the... uh, by the rest of the election, and they didn't do it. So now it's really two Democrats versus a Libertarian.
0: That's a great line. (laughs) I have a feeling we'll be hearing that in the upcoming debates, which here's a big, big uh, plus for Libertarians in Indiana. And one of the reasons we've always been strong here is that you're in the televised debates.
1: I am. 7 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Um, of course, it'll air in various outlets across Indiana. It'll also be live, live streamed from indianadebatecommission.org and I think WFYI, our local public television station. Well, oh, and uh, there's we're also told C-SPAN is going to carry it.
0: Cool. Oh, uh, one note is this is going to air Monday. Uh, today is October 7th. And uh, so on October 8th at 7 p.m., that's when you can watch it live. So yes. uh, so tonight, <laughs> just just one caveat. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you hear this time shifted in the future, then you can go to the Indiana Debate Commission on their YouTube channel. They archive all those videos and uh, do an excellent, excellent job. And libertarians are respected here because a we have a really solid state party and have for decades, and b we're on the ballot. And so the debate commission said we're going to make this real easy. We're not gonna we're not going to people have three choices. And when there are three choices, we're going to put them in the debate. And I think that is really great of the debate commission, and I wish every state had that kind of debate instead of TV stations going, eh, the Libertarians aren't good for ratings, we're not going to put them in. Um, so, are, are you nervous? How do you prepare for a debate like this?
1: Um, really, the way that I prepare for it is to, you know, watch Donnelly and Braun in their previous debates. Um, of course, you see the attack ad. so I already know what their script is going to be, because just like two years ago, I was largely ignored, which is fine. I'm able to then advance liberty and the cause of liberty, um, while the other two attack each other. So, my prediction for tomorrow night is that. Joe Donnelly, as always, will be reasonable and fair and drape himself as an American rather than a, a Republican or a Democrat. He's real famous for being moderate, which is how you survive politically as a Democrat in a Republican state like Indiana. Um, Mike Braun tends to uh, tends to go off on some tangents that probably won't be useful to him, and I will stay on point and just argue for liberty. Leave me alone. I don't, you know, as long as you're not hurting people, as long as you're not taking their stuff, the government should leave you alone. It's very, very simple policy.
0: So I will say Hoosiers are blessed to have two very, very, very good candidates for statewide office this year, both Lucy running for Senate and then Mark Rutherford, who's running for Secretary of State. And so if you are out there and you're listening in an area that doesn't have strong libertarian candidates and you want to make an impact, then I would take a look at at both of these campaigns and financially donating to both of them uh, so Lucy if people want to give or volunteer for your campaign how do they get a hold of you if they have more questions where can they donate give shameless self-promotion time. go for it <laughs>
1: shameless shameless self-promotion uh, Lucy 4 Senate.com um, there's a donate button or you can just put in forward slash donate um, what we're doing with we have so many people that have volunteered it has blown me away so we'll be doing a lot of walking we've got a ground game um, that we're doing throughout October and and then we'll be concentrating our social media by um, in a very strategic location in Indiana. I won't reveal it on the show. I'll reveal it to you privately, but um, there's some long-term um, there's some long-term strategy to the way we're doing social media. Uh, I will be back.
0: <laughs> I'll
1: be back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent. I'd uh, love to have you on uh, sit in on the program for a longer time. Uh, so you'll hear hear Lucy more, but in the meantime, uh, she and Mark both are worth uh, the investment, so if you're out there, please hit them hit them both up, uh, especially Lucy's just going to, I think, blow a lot of these numbers away. People are sick of this stuff, and uh, Hoosiers, Hoosiers like independent-minded people, so I think you are doing a great job. You're out there working hard, and you're doing everything that I like to see out of a candidate as a former executive director. And I really appreciate your work. And I know how hard it is to run for a statewide office. And so thank you for running. I think it is uh, great to have an option on my ballot like you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. I hope to be part of your strategy to vote for liberty.
0: (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Yes. Thanks, Chris. Uh, Yes. All right. Thank you, Lucy. And we will see you tomorrow.